Are y'all ready for this? Are you sure? I hope so. Last week our uh, title was The Importance of Obedience. This week we'll talk about the impact of disobedience. You could also say the impact of sin would be an appropriate title for this message. We're going to be in the same place we were last week, just a chapter over, Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. I will warn you that there are a multitude of messages to come out of Joshua chapter 7. And for the most part, I think I found them all. My challenge this morning is to not preach them all. But if I do, and I go off chasing rabbits, y'all come on. That rabbit may be better than the one we was chasing before, right? You don't ever know till you get there. So y'all just follow along. We're going to remain right here in Joshua as far as our flipping back and forth. Um, at some point, we're going to go back to Joshua chapter 1. But for the most part, we're going to be right here in Joshua chapter 7, starting in verse 1. Joshua chapter 7, starting in verse 1, we'll read through about verse 9. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth Haven, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up, spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toll up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai, and the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gates as far as Shabarium and struck them at the descent, and the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes, fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel... And they put dust on their heads, and Joshua said, Alas, O God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To give us into the hands of the Amorites? To destroy us? Would, would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan? O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will sound, surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? You may be seated. Roger Bond, would you pray for us please? Amen. 
Joshua chapter 7. As far as background goes, we've been there the last couple of weeks, right? In the background of how we got to here. And we've seen the Israelites and, and Joshua lead them across the, the Jordan River and the waters stand up and set up the memorial stone because we're so forgetful. And then we see once they get into the, the land of Canaan, now they've got a um, Jericho that stands in front of them. Jericho was the first victory for the children of Israel in the promised land. This is their first victory. Ai is their first defeat. Now there's a lot of things to point out, like I said before, in, in this scripture. So I want you to pay close attention because there's a lot to gather this morning. There's a lot to take in. The first thing that jumped out to me as I read this is, in all the other places, the first thing we see is God speaking to Joshua or Joshua speaking to God. That's the first thing. Is Joshua gets an instruction, he delivers an instruction, and then the people carry out that instruction. Right? That's what happened at the Jordan River. He got the instruction, he told them exactly how it's going to go, they got up, they done that, and everything went smoothly. Then at Jericho, the same thing. God speaks to Joshua, Joshua speaks to the people, the people walk in obedience, and, and, and the walls of Jericho fall. In this instance... We don't hear nothing about God until about verse 6. So Joshua takes off in this thing on his own. The first thing that's pointed out to us though is in verse chapter, uh, chapter 7 verse 1 it says, The people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. Do you remember about the devoted things? God told them when, they, when, when the walls of Jericho fall, leave it all. Destroy everything. It belongs to God. It's devoted to God. This is God's victory and He's going to take the spoils. Nobody take no spoils. Nobody take no prisoners. Everything stays. This starts out with the people of Israel broke faith as it pertains to the devoted things. How many people of the children of Israel took something they wasn't supposed to take? Keep reading in verse 1. For Achan, right? For Achan and the son of son of son of son of tribe of Judah took some of the devoted things. You see that? The children of Israel, the people of Israel broke faith. One person was disobedient. Stay with me. One person, Achan, took things he wasn't supposed to take. Yet the anger of the Lord is against who? All of them. Now I want to show you how this story could have been changed and we wouldn't read it that way. Joshua sends out spies to Ai. The spies come back and they go with their chest poked out like little baby roosters. Don't send everybody. Just send two or three thousand. They are few. In other words, after what we did at Jericho, Ai is going to be a walk in the park. That's what they said. 
It don't take me and you long to forget that what we just came through, we didn't do nothing. God did it. And that's what happened to Israel. That's what happened to Joshua. That's what happened to everybody involved right here. Because if that weren't the case, the first thing we would read was, Joshua stood before God. And God said, that ain't what we read. What we read is there was sin in the camp. Let me tell you how it could have changed. If Joshua had kept with what he'd been doing and continued in obedience to God and seeking God's face, when he went to God about AI, you know what God would have said? There's sin in the camp, Joshua. Don't go yet. You can't win in the condition that your camp is in right now. you got to address this first. And I know that. We're going to read it here in a little while because eventually that's what God tells Joshua. You can't stand before your enemies with sin in the camp. The sin's got to be removed first. One man took something he wasn't supposed to take. One man sinned. And because of that one sinful heart, like Kevin just talked about this morning, the entire people was affected. Don't lose sight of that. Don't ever believe that your sin only affects you. No, it don't. No, it never does. Other people are impacted. In this particular case, 36 men lost their life because Achan had sticky fingers, because he was disobedient, because he picked up something he wasn't supposed to pick up. You say, well, maybe he didn't get the announcement and he didn't know. Oh, he knew, you know, where what he took was? Buried in his tent. Not laying in the tent. He hid it. You know why? Because he knew he wasn't supposed to do that. You and I bury things in our heart. You know why? Because we know they ain't supposed to be there. You can claim ignorance if you want to, but the reality of it is you wouldn't be hiding it if you didn't know it was wrong. And listen, your sin don't just impact you. 36 men lost their lives at AI because Achan had sin in his heart. And it affected the whole camp. 36 men lost their lives because Joshua didn't go stand before God first. He listened to the spies. They done forgot what God did at Jericho. They thought they did that. They, they was proud of themselves. Jericho's a great big place, the largest fortified city in the area. AI is the probably one of the smallest places in the area. They walked away from this victory like this and walked up to AI and said, don't send everybody. They are few. Just send two or three thousand. And Joshua did that. And it cost 36 people their lives because somebody sinned and because nobody consulted God. Listen, I told you last week, no matter how deep you're into this obedience thing, you got to keep going. You can't quit. You can't stop. You can't take a day off. You got to keep chugging. You got to keep pushing. And no matter what's going on in the world around us, we've got to stand where we stand, which is where God wants us to stand. And the minute you step off of that and you look at the smaller town next door and go, this is an easy one, God. We won't need you for this one. People lose their lives. Sin is a horrible thing. And we all inherited it. 
Disobedience comes natural to us. It's a whole lot easier for you and I to just go and do what we want to do because it feels good. You can't claim Christianity. You can't claim the Word of God as your guide and go live by what feels good. It don't work that way. You can tell me what you believe all you want to, but I know what you believe by the way you live your life. You can claim whatever you want to, but it's a continual thing. Now, we're going to get a little deeper into this, and I want to show you that God in chapter 1 made a promise to Joshua. Y'all may remember it without even going there. Before we go there, how many of you remember the, the big speech to Joshua? Moses has died. Joshua's stepping up, and God gives him this big speech about good courage. Be of good courage. Nobody can stand against you. Be courageous and of good courage. Y'all remember that? That's Joshua chapter 1. So God made Joshua a promise that your enemies cannot stand against you. Yet this little place called Ai whooped them. Killed 36 of the men and run everybody else back to the house. I mean, they turned and ran. You know, you know do you understand what the Bible's talking about when he tells us that Ai chased the Israelite army back. Do you know what a shameful thing it is for an army to turn its back and run? They lost 36 soldiers and then they turned around and took off running back to the house. woo We can't handle this! After God had made them the promise that their enemies couldn't stand against them. So go back to Joshua chapter 1 and let's try to find out how in the world did God make a promise and didn't do it? Because we all claim these promises and we all been told as long as we claim them and proclaim them, it's as good as done, right? Watch this, Joshua chapter 1. Skip down for the sake of time to verse 5. Joshua chapter 1. Verse 5. This is, this is God talking to Joshua. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Look at here. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Being careful. Look at here. Being careful. Don't miss. See what we do is we read that promise and we stop. Look at the rest of this. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. See, God made the promise that nobody's going to prosper against you. Nobody's going to stand against you. I'm never going to forsake you. 
But be careful to do all that's in the law. Meditate on it. Know it. Understand it. Because when you do that, then you get the promise. So why did AI defeat Joshua? They broke the law of God. The law of, the God, the law of God got broken. They were told, don't take nothing with you out of here. It's all God's. It's for destruction. Leave it there. And Achan walks by, <whistles> slips a little something in his pocket, goes back to the tent, and buries it in the ground. And because of that, 36 men lose their lives. They lose at AI, a battle that really should have been an easy one. But see, God got removed from this equation. Joshua, had he stood in front of God before the battle and said, what do I need to do? God would have said, not go to Ai because there's sin in the camp. If Joshua had been seeking God during this whole thing, 36 men don't lose their lives. They don't lose this battle. They lose this battle because sin was there and it was unaddressed. Now look at this. You want to see how God views sin? Keep going in Joshua chapter uh, 7. Verse 6, Joshua tore his clothes, fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel then put dust on their heads, and Joshua said, now this may sound familiar to some of you if you've ever read back in Genesis and Exodus, and about this 40-year journey that just came to an end at the first of Joshua. You, this may sound familiar, listen. Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? Whose fault is it in Joshua's mind? Whose fault is it that they just lost this battle? It's God's fault. You brought us over here, God. You see that? Alas, why have you even brought us over the Jordan? Look at this. Why have you brought us this people over the Jordan at all? To give us into the hands of the Amorites? To destroy us? Did you just bring us over here to die? Do you remember when the children of Israel was originally fleeing Egypt and they get into the wilderness and they get out there and the food don't suit them? What'd they say? What, what, what'd Moses say to God? We'd be better off to be back with the Egyptians. At least our bellies would be full. Joshua goes, Why did you even bring... We would be better off on the other side of the Jordan. At least we weren't getting destroyed by the Hamorites. So it's God's fault. You see that, right? The first place Joshua's mind goes is it's God's fault. Why did you do this to us, God? Do you know how many people in this world right now are looking at the, the scenario that's going on, all of this unrest and all of this craziness that's going on, are looking at God and going, God, why are you doing this? Listen, there are Christian people looking at God going, God, why are you doing this? God's not doing this. Sin is doing this. Sinful man is doing this. Joshua, God didn't do this. And look, God's fixing to speak up. And I love it when this happens. This is one of my favorite places in the whole Bible. I use it at my house to, to drive home the importance of obedience sometimes. Watch this. So, 
In chapter 7, verse 8, What can I say when Israel has turned their backs on their enemies? Joshua's going, what can I do about it, God? You've let this happen. What am I going to do? Look, then he goes on to tell God the consequences as it relates to God. This is crazy. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us, cut off our name from the earth, and look, what will you do for your great name, God? We're here to serve you. We're here trying to do what you told us to do. You fix and let us all get killed. Then what are you going to do for your great name? Boy, what an attitude, right? Huh? The nerve of Joshua to stand before God and point his finger and go, you let this happen? Why would you let this happen? And listen, when they hear this and they cut us off, then what are you going to do for your great name, God? Look at this craziness. Look at this is ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous for us to sit here and read this and think, Joshua, how in the world did your mind get to that point? It's the same thing Kevin already said this morning. You may say you can't believe it, but you know what? If you're honest with yourself and you do a little soul searching, you can believe it because the same heart that's in him is in you. It's flesh. It's evil at its roots. Any single one of us is one or two bad decisions from being exactly where they are. Just one or two bad decisions. It don't take much to go back to where you came from. Or even worse, it don't take much because it's inherent in you. It's, it's there. It's present. The difference in the people that ain't acting that way and the people that are acting that way is the ones that ain't have made a choice to, to push that down by way of the gospel, by the love of Christ. And listen, that's only by the grace of God because you ain't good at decision making. I ain't good at decision making. But it's possible because God is who He says He is. Look at this. God finally speaks up. Oh my. Oh my. His first words in chapter 10. And the Lord said to Joshua, look at this. Get up! With an exclamation point. Get up, Joshua. What are you doing? Look at this. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. You know this ain't my fault. Joshua, what are you doing? Get up. Get up. What are you doing on your face? This ain't my fault. I didn't do this. I didn't cause this. Israel has sinned, Joshua. The root of the problem for what you're facing is sin. Listen to me. Achan knew it was sin. How do I know he knew? Where was the good? Buried in the tent. You know what sin is. You know how I know you know? You got it buried. You acting like it ain't there and it is. You hoping nobody points it out. You're hoping nobody comes in there digging around and finds it. And listen, people all around you are suffering because you're in the camp and you got sin in the tent. But we can turn the TV on and point the finger at somebody else and get the, the conversation going that way and we don't have to deal with it. While people suffer because I'm walking around with sin in the tent. You've got to understand 36 people lost their lives because one man, the anger of God was against the people of Israel because of one man. You've got to understand that your sin affects more than just you. Over and over and over and over. And you know it's there or you wouldn't be hiding it. 
You wouldn't be acting like it's not, it don't exist. You wouldn't be hoping and praying that nobody mentions it so it don't get brought to the light. You know it exists. You know it's there. Now do something about it because here's the other option. Before I go any further, I don't want anybody in here to walk out and think that Brother Nick said the reason bad things happen is because somebody sinned. I didn't say that. Bad things happen because Adam sinned. Because we live in a broken, fallen creation. That's why bad things happen. But a lot of times, sometimes, every once in a while, maybe even most of the time, I don't know, this is what's going on. So what this is, is an opportunity for me to look in my tent and see what's there. Not go look in somebody else's tent. Right? I got to start at my tent, at my house. And then if God takes you in somebody else's tent and you notice it, you have every you have God's permission to point at it. But first, you got to make sure you're in the right place because what happens is, is when we go try to help somebody else and our heart ain't right, it gets ugly. This is all about heart condition. And the only way I can have a pure heart, pure enough to be addressing things for somebody else, is to start at my tent and look at my heart. And when I don't do that, here's some possibilities. 36 men have already lost their lives. But here's God's answer of how to deal with this. Now this is Old Testament. Things are different these days. We live in a time of grace. I understand that. I get that. I promise you I do. But this is a real event that really happened. And, it ain't, and God ain't no different today than He was when Achan was stealing things He wasn't supposed to be taking, right? He's the same God. He's still got the same purpose. It's all still about Him getting glory out of everything we do. So let's look at this. So He's told him to get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed My covenant that I commanded them that they have taken some of the devoted things, they have stolen, they have lied, and they have put them among their own belongings. They hid them. Listen, therefore the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. God said, I ain't going to keep walking this path with you forever when there's sin in the camp. Joshua, why did you point your finger at me and ask me why I did this? Y'all did this. Y'all did this. And listen, them 36 men wouldn't have had to die if you'd have come talk to me about this before you sent them over there. By the way, Joshua, I didn't do this. Sin done this. Devoted things that you were told to keep your hands off of done this. Listen, you ain't going to win another battle till you address this. You see what God's saying? You ain't going to win another battle until you address the sin that's in the camp. Do you hear me, church? You're not going to win another battle until you address the sin that's in the camp. I know. I know. I understand. I don't want to hear it either. I get it. But this Bible is not a buffet. We cannot pick out the things that we like and leave the rest of it later. It's all or none. It's all or none. 
And although things may be different for our time than it was for Joshua's time, the impact of sin is not much different. You cannot expect to win spiritual battles in your daily walk when you've got sin hidden in your tent. You understand that, right? You get that, right? I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up! It's twice he held him, get up. Consecrate the people and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. <clears throat> for thus says the Lord God of Israel, There are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. You can't win another battle until the sin is gone. And to what uh, end do we go to get rid of the sin? In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes, and by the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans, and the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the household that the Lord takes shall come near by man by man. And he who is taken with devoted things shall be burned with fire. He and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. God's answer, and the only way Israel is going to get another victory, is to find the man that done this and destroy him and his family. For the wages of sin is... price has to be paid. Thankfully, for you and I's benefit, somebody's already prayed, paid that price. And today, you don't have to die because of your sin. You have the option of accepting a death that already took place on your behalf. But first, you've got to recognize that sin, and you've got to dig that thing out, and you've got to ask for forgiveness. And until you do that, you ain't getting another victory. You've got to acknowledge that it's there. I'm talking about you in your tent. I'm talking about me in my tent. I'm not talking about us as a corporate group going through each other's tents. I'm talking about you looking at your life, your heart, where you stand, the things you do, the places you go, the decisions you make. I'm talking about each one of us being self-accountable before God. Why? Because your sin affects the people around you, whether you want it to or not. Now, does that mean I'm going to stand before God and be held accountable for the things that Kevin did? No, it don't. I'm going to be held accountable for what I did and did not do, the things that are good and the things that are not good. That's what I'm going to give an account for. So therefore, i got to get in my tent, in my heart, and see what don't belong. And when I find that thing, I can't just ignore it. What does the Bible say in, in James about the guy looking in the looking glass, looking in the mirror and seeing something wrong with his features and walking away? He said that's the same thing as looking in Scripture, looking in the Bible and finding something wrong and not addressing it. Who does that? Nobody. If I look in the mirror and I see something's out of place, now some of what I see in the mirror I can't fix. Right? That was not a time for that, Ralph. But some things that I look into that mirror and I see are out of place, I can fix. 
And anybody with any good sense will. And the same thing when it comes to Scripture. When I look into the Scripture as a reflector back on me, not holding it up to my neighbors and going, look at this, look at what you look like. No, i got to start with me. i got to look into that mirror, look into that looking glass of the Word of God and see what I see that don't fit inside of me. What don't line up with what it says. This ain't a buffet. And then i got some hard decisions to make. Listen. 36 men in the army plus Achan and all of his family. Even his donkey. If you'll keep reading that, if you'll keep going in that scripture, they took him out to a place, him, his family, everything he belonged, his donkeys, his cattle, his stuff, everything. And you know what they did? They covered them up with stones. Everybody stood back and throwed rocks at them until they were in a heap. And why? Because he had hidden sin in his tent. Listen, you can hide things from me. I'm pretty gullible. I usually start out giving everybody the benefit of the doubt, so you can, you can fool me. Kevin's pretty gullible. He's, he's a pretty compassionate guy, so you can sit in front of him and, and you, you can trick us. We're pretty trickable. You can't trick God. You can't. You can't hide it from God. It doesn't matter that I don't know it's there. It matters that you know it's there and God knows it's there and He's waiting on you to address whatever it is so that He can use you moving forward because there are battles coming in this life that when you win them, God gets the victory. God gets the glory. And that's what your purpose is. So not only are you cheating yourself and the people around you, you're cheating God. When you recognize something is there and you choose not to do something about it, what do I do about it? I don't know. It depends on the scenario. It depends on the situation. Sometimes you get on your face in front of God and go, God, please. Your grace and your mercy I need. Please show me how to... Sometimes you may have to go talk to somebody else and go, hey, I've done this thing and I need you to know it. And you ask for their forgiveness along with God's forgiveness. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't have any idea. It's just different for every scenario. But one thing is consistent. You've got to address it. Whether it's between you and God or between you and the family or between you and the spouse, I don't care. It's got to be done. You can't get another victory until you address the sin hidden in the tent. It's got to be dug up and it's got to be dealt with. All right, Dale and uh, Savannah, come on back up here. Um, and we're going to have a time of invitation. And, and I'm, I'm just asking you to do whatever God has spoke to you about this morning, however that goes. Um, Kevin had an awesome uh, five, six-minute message this morning about the circumstances or the times that we're in currently. Um, and he's dead on exactly right there. If you can't do nothing else, if you have, you have no power until you pray, it starts right there. The Bible also tells us that sin can hinder our prayers. So again, it starts with self-evaluation. It starts with me looking at my heart and comparing it to the gospel and see what needs to be altered and changed. 
Not how can I change the gospel to fit my lifestyle, my desires. I want what I want when I want it. It don't work that way. I got to make adjustments in me, not in the Word. So whatever that means to you this morning, I just ask that you address that, that you look at self and you do whatever God's asked you to do.